Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Welcome back to Really Well Women. Today, we're going to talk about the trap of busyness, part two, and we're also going to expand on a lot of the concepts that we talked about in part one. So in part one, we were talking about the 10 signs that you're in a stress spiral. And so today, what we're going to do is break down each one of those 10 signs and help you understand where it's coming from. Then we're going to dive right in and help you understand how your default patterns and your habits really cause these 10 things to come about. So we're, we're just going to dive right in. First and foremost, we have sign number one, which is you are never sick or you are always sick. And so when we, in the last episode, when we were talking about cortisol and how it can become cortisone, that's just a sign that it's immunosuppressive. And so depending on how high your cortisol levels are, you can either end up not being able to mount an immune response, right? Like I was saying, all these people so proud of themselves and they're like, I'm never sick. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not a good thing. You want to be sick once or twice a year. If you're always sick, that's also a sign that your immune system is compromised and that can be due to stress. Number two is you can't focus. So I always tell people the the task of focusing, so bringing all of your attention to one object from the primitive perspective is dangerous, right? We need to be surveying. We need to be seeing what's going on. And so if our body is in that stressed out mode, that fight or flight mode, then you're not only going to decrease blood flow to your brain so that you're not getting the nutrients and things you need for that focus, but you're also, your vision changes, like it actually changes. And so in those situations, it's harder to focus. It's harder to keep your attention on one point. Point three was either you're not sleeping or you can't sleep or you're waking up between three and four in the morning. Um, So how do you take that one away? Well, yeah, I was going to just follow on from that, Sarah, because you said, you know, uh, with that stress response, we're surveying everything. So when we talked in the last episode, we talked about um, the saber-toothed tiger and the caveman and how in that fight response, you're just looking for ways to quickly escape, to run away from that danger or to challenge and take that, that dangerous situation on. So as you said, you know, you can't focus with that. And it's exactly the same with not sleeping or being unable to get it to sleep. Because the thing is, if you are in a stress response, the last thing your body wants to do is actually wind down and have a good night's sleep. You are just in survival mode. So you're looking for the first place to escape to, or at least to, to take on that, that challenge and fight. And with that too, something I see all the time is so many people don't give themselves a reflective moment. They just Mm -hmm. push, 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 go, go, go through the day. So they lie down and it's the first moment in time Mm -hmm. when their mind actually has time to review what's happened. So sometimes even just taking that reflective time, I tell people to have a worry journal. So to write these things down um, and then it allows them to go to sleep. So something as simple as that can, can make a difference too. And and that actually just reminds me when people um, come in for somatic classes, you know, somatic movement classes, some of them actually say to me, I can't believe it. As soon as I just lie down to do the soma scan or like a body scan, as it were, um, they're already starting to drop off to sleep. And they said, I can't believe it. And I said, well, you've kind of given yourself permission to stop. 
because it's probably the first time you've actually stopped and you can spot them in the room because as soon as they lie down just to <laughs> stand at the very beginning they're yawning their heads off bless them um, and that's it because this is the first time they've gone and relax you know and rest so that's exactly what it is and i'm sure you see those people too that really resist it and i know i have been that person historically and we'll get into our patterns today which i think is really important but i would be the person when at the end of the yoga class they're like okay now we're gonna do the meditation um if you guys need to leave because they're guilty of saying that here in the like exercise power yoga classes i would be the first person who's like out the door i have better things to do so some people resist that too so it's just good to check in with yourself and we'll talk about those patterns today. Yeah, definitely. The next one is nausea and heaviness with meals. So again, that's going to go back to the fact that your digestive system needs a lot of blood flow. It needs a lot of work. Like it does a lot of work. And so if you are pulling, if you're in, not in rest and digest, the parasympathetic, and you're in the sympathetic fight or flight, then you're pulling the energy and you're pulling the blood flow from your digestive system. So it's going to be harder. Um, the same thing can happen with change in appetite. Um, so for some people, they have no appetite when they're stressed. That's why. But other people crave comfort food and junk food. And so when we define what comfort foods are, they are generally high carb, high fat meals. So that can be deep fried foods, that can be chips, that can be chocolate, not dark chocolate. I won't put that in that category, but the junk chocolate, that can be those types of things. And when you get those equal amounts, fat and sugar foods, it lights up your nucleus accumbens, which is the dopamine and reward center of your brain, like a Christmas tree. So you're getting reward from somewhere else. Um, We know that these foods may have the potential to lower cortisol. So it's physiological. That doesn't mean it's the answer. (laughs) That doesn't mean it's going to fix anything. But when you find yourself going down this spiral and you see those patterns that's why mm. and the next and one I, is food oh sorry no no i was just going to say and and that kind of adds in um to the fact is when you just said about mood uh with that is that uh, sometimes that you might have that junk food and then you actually feel really bad afterwards don't you so then the guilt kicks yeah. in and it's this vicious cycle really Absolutely. And so talking about the anxiety and depression, why don't you jump right into that? Well, that's it. Cause they're kind of really linked in, aren't they? So, um, you, you know, you've got that comfort eating, then you go and, and seek that comfort food as it were, or, you know, the chocolate, whatever it is. Um, and then you just feel more rotten for having that and thinking, why did I succumb to that temptation as it were? Um, but with the actual anxiety, depression side of things, we, last time we looked at the fight, flight and freeze response. And so if we look at the flight and the freeze, that's often where we see that anxiety anxiety and that depression and that we see in our postures as well so we can see how we try to retreat um and as regards that that's when we start living more within that limbic system so that stress response the more that we live like that you know the mri scans have actually shown that that area starts to grow and the prefrontal cortex which is the reasoning part of our brain actually will begin to shrink in size so you can see that if we live in that stress response rather than it's a bit like um, Goldilocks, isn't it? The um, cortisol, a little bit is okay. Too much is not great. Too little is not great. So it's just having that sweet spot, just enough. But when we tip over into too much, then you can see how we start to live in that stress response. The other side of the coin is if your cortisol is on the wrong rhythm. So if you're not getting a morning cortisol spike and it spikes at night, that's going to contribute to sleep issues as well. So there's so much with cortisol that needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. 
And I was going to say, can I add into the next one after that depression and anxiety? We've got exhaustion, haven't we? We mentioned that last time. And that, again, is where it, it kind of blends into the anxiety and depression. Um, and if do you recall in that last episode when I talked about the feigning death, you know, you see it also in the animal kingdom that um, if there's a predator coming along, the animal might just start to feign death so that they, the predator will walk by. And so that constant exhaustion is what you see with a lot of people. There's that, you know, um, they breathe very shallow. Their, their voice is very low. They've got that hopelessness or feeling overwhelmed all the time. And so because of that feeling or that response, um, you can see why people are just fully exhausted because they are constantly living in that feigning death or that freeze response. And the stress response as well takes a huge toll on our system. So it's not something that is meant to be sustained long-term. And so you can get a lot of what's called oxidative stress or cellular rusting, right? So I always say if your car is rusty, it's going to break down. But in the body, we should have antioxidant mechanisms to come in and take care of that. And when you're under chronic stress, you're using a ton of nutrients and you're causing a lot of this oxidative stress. And so with that, your body also doesn't have what it needs, which can lead to the next one, which is hormone changes. We see hormonal changes from not only the brain signaling changes, but also nutrient deficiencies. PMS is a big one we're going to talk about in hormonal chaos. We know there's very specific nutrients that help to support that. Is that because we're overusing our B vitamins, for example, when we're stressed out? Maybe, maybe not. In some situations it is. Um, and so we do see so many hormonal changes. It can be PMS. It can be heavy periods, cloudy periods, all the stuff that we're going to talk about in later episodes, um, because it's, it is a huge part of the stress response. And sometimes crying is hormonal, but sometimes crying, which is the next one, also has a bit of a different mechanism. So why don't you tell us about that? And that's it again. So the crying, I'm going to keep, I keep going back to those three um, responses that we sort we spoke about in detail in the last episode. But again, if we look at crying, that's coming into the um, flight, but also the freeze response. So again, it's that overwhelming feeling where we're doomed. We can't do anything about it. And it's again, hopelessness. You can see how they keep linking in. Um, and so from this um from this episode, it's quite good that people can start to actually identify which of those three mechanisms they're in. And then they can know that actually it is, as you say, it should be a short term mechanism and then we should rebound again. So if we notice we're going into that, what can we then do to, to rebound? So if we've got that crying, it might just be that mechanism, but we can come out of that with assistance and help. Perfect. So just before the break, why don't we talk about today's topic which is the which is going into our default patterns and our habits. Um, so why don't you break that down and define it for us? And then when we come back, we'll just break it down even further. Yeah, sure. And I was just going to say, uh, talking about default patterns, can I just mention that last one, which kind of won at the last of those 10 points. And that's, uh, you know, we talked about crying, but we've also got the other extreme where it could be we could get angry for no reason or get easily irritated. And again, that's then going into the fight response. So because of that, then what we want to do is notice that we might not be the crier. We might be more of the easily irritated and we snap easily. And if we do, we know that's the fight response, which we discussed beforehand. But yeah, as regards the default um, behavior and um, attitude, what's really good is, remember I just mentioned about identifying which of the three mechanisms we're in. Well, that's what's really important is noticing our default posture behavior or pattern. Why do we go into them? Can we identify them? 
do you ever think to yourself, I can't believe I've done that again. I can't believe, you know, sometimes, you know, you can press that self-destruct button and really <laughs> ruin something, can't you? If you know it's I a behavioral thing. I love that. I'm going to use, I'm going to steal that. Press the self-destruct button. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? I mean, as we just said, that last one is about being angry or irritated for no reason. If that's your default behavior and pattern, can you see how many people you're going to cross over the time if you don't sort that out, really? Um, so that could be the default pattern. I mean, there are other things as well, which I know after the break we're going to go into. But again, these are all those primitive stress responses. But as we learned in the, in the previous episode, remember I talked about how we see them in different behaviors and different attitudes. But it could be a default um, behavior, which we'll go into a bit later. It could be junk food. It could be going for caffeinated drinks. It could be working excessively, um, starting to scrimp and save on good sleep. You know, and in the first mm. season, we talked about sleep hygiene and how important that was. Um, and then it's also, it, it could be just things such as we retreat from re relationships and friendships. Is that our default posture? Mm -hmm. And so I think what'd be really good from here, Sarah, is if we just take a quick break and then start delving deeper into that. And then we could bring out our own experiences as well, just to show how we are all working in progress and how every one of us um, has got something to benefit from. Sarah here. Do you love what you're learning? Do you want to take your health to the next level? In addition to my book on weight loss resistance, Finally Losing, I'm developing a number of masterclasses on the evidence-based treatment of some troublesome women's health issues. We are going to cover hair loss, acne, how to support your body for preconception and pre-pregnancy, and so much more. To find out more, follow me on Instagram at drsarah__nd, or go to advancedwomenshealth.ca slash podcast to be the first to find out when they're released. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about the 10 signs that you're in a stress spiral, and we started to talk about your default patterns. And so I wanted to break down what, when we're talking about a default pattern, these are the things, again, that we just find ourselves going back to. And so it can be hard to see that in yourself, which is why I joke that I have two therapists and a life coach. Um, so there's someone always watching me <laughs> to tell me when I'm getting back there. But personally, and I think it's really important to bring in our personal stories because as Heidi said, we're not perfect. Um, and the biggest thing is learning and having that growth mindset so that you can catch yourself and know you can be better. So with that, my personal pattern um, tends to be coming from an overworked place. So I have burnt myself out three times. Um, I have had, when I was younger, I had mono, so Epstein-Barr virus, quite badly in high school. We all know how everyone gets it in high school. Sorry, mom. Um, but from that side of the coin, it was a very like legitimate, I got mono, but it lasted for a month. I was out of school for a month. And so now how it's shown up in my life is when I was studying really, really hard um, for my board exams, because our medical exams are insane, I got mono again. And technically, you should only have this once in your life. And so in that situation, I had suppressed my immune system so much. Um, fortunately, I'm never the person who can give up sleep. I always need at least six or seven, eight hours of sleep eight to nine is my go-to. Um, but so I didn't do that, but I wasn't feeding myself well. I just wasn't eating enough to be completely honest. I was still trying to exercise because I thought that was healthy and a good idea. Um, I was doing all the things and I just crashed. So that was one moment in time. The next one was when I was building my practice. And again, my pattern of default, which I can now see from a mile away, is that I feel like 
in order to make money, in order to survive, in order to support my family, I need to work extremely hard. So I'll put in 60 to 80 hour weeks. And sometimes I'm not physically sitting at my desk the whole time, but I never check out. I never turn my brain off. And so that's something that I have seen and picked up. And it's a lot of it's because I wasn't raised with a lot of money. I saw where money came from and my parents worked their asses off. Um, They worked so, so hard to provide for us. And I saw, that's what I saw as work. And that's what I saw as how you provide. And I didn't know another way. And so now I find that I will just go into this work mode because it's fundamentally a lack of belief that things come to me. And I love me some Gabrielle Bernstein and all like all of the mindset stuff can can be really, really helpful in these situations because I will find myself just sitting there slogging away, slogging away, and maybe not being productive or maybe doing things that I don't need to do. So in the business world, and I think this applies in our like in all aspects, there's an 80-20 principle. So they say 80% of your success comes from 20% of the things you're doing. And so with the help of Tammy, who's my life coach, with the help of my therapist, they'll catch me and be like, Sarah, how much are you working? Are you time blocking? What are you spending that time on? Why are you inventing all these new ideas? Because I'm an ideas person. I love me an idea. Uh, and so why do you have all these ideas if what you're doing is working right now? Just Focus more time on what's working and then go from there. And so we can do this in our lives too. It's like, okay, if you're trying, you're working towards a goal of fitness and you find that you get a lot of really good gains from just doing weight-based training, but you're, you see on TV that you're supposed to be running. And so you decide you need to run a half marathon to get fit. Um, that's not necessarily helping you. And so that's another way that overwork and adding more things can show up as your, your default pattern. And so a lot of us will, will have that these similar ones. And so we're going to break down ours, but then also other people's as well. Yeah. And that's the thing is that um, I'm just going to mention mine, but before I do, it's just, just, it's all reflecting here and looking at where does your pattern come from? Can you identify something in your past, something that was a trigger for you that now it actually may be that you don't have that anymore in your life, but there could be a similar situation that creates that trigger. And you think, oh my goodness, I'm going back into that again. So um, what I was going to mention was mine. So many, many, many years ago, um, I walked away from a personal situation that really wasn't a very healthy situation at all. So I uprooted my life and I took um, the bag on my back with a few clothes. I took a few work folders and I took my dog and I moved back to my parents' house. And I basically gave everything away financially that I could possibly um, asked for but I didn't I didn't so basically started all the way from scratch again as if I'd just left school and I was about to uh, get a job so um, as a result of that I was so keen to become again self-sufficient and financially independent and that sort of thing so I put a lot of my sadness into focusing on all my study and building my business and really focusing on that and of course because I put so much time into that, if you think about it, what was I doing? It was, there was a few things. There was a fear response. I, I wanted to build up myself financially again because I actually just had the rucksack on my back and um, my dog and my folders. That was basically all I had. Um, so because of that, I had to work really hard again or fat, I had to really work hard. So there was the fear response. There was the fact that I was actually using it to almost um, push down all that emotion and that stress. If I kept my mind busy, I thought this will just help me get over it. 
and the fact is over time um you know um i've been able to heal and get a lot lot better from it um but those mechanisms as they got so um conditioned in those early days that now that i'm very very happily married um what we found is that when we emigrated to australia uh, because in a sense, if you think about it, I had to start again, I had to start a new business, a whole new life. Um, and that trigger came again. It's like, let's work hard. We've got to do this because we've got to get um, our house and we've got to do this, this and this. So again, very quickly, another stress response kicks in. And the great thing is that over the years, doing the cl my clinical studies and training with somatics, we have to do our own self-reflection. We have to look at our default patterns, behaviors, and our postures. And it was thanks to me doing all my clinical training and studies that it made me think, hang on, I'm my best case study. I've got to look at what is going on here. And with the help, and that's the thing, I had to get help because I had PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. That was basically stemmed from all that stuff years ago. I needed to get that because I was like a broken record on like just repeating that same mechanism of behavior. So my neurobiology had to shift. It had to change really. So I saw a clinical psychologist and it was fantastic. Um, I had like 10 sessions over those 10 sessions that were staggered over about a six month period. Um, we specialized in something called EMDR which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's fantastic. And we basically changed the way that if I ever um, encounter a situation again where someone's quite aggressive or passive aggressive or any of those sorts of behaviors, I can take note and become quite objective and notice that behavior. But instead of being drawn into that stress mechanism that I would have been before, then I can stop myself. And as a result of that, it's actually helped me rein in and stop that fear response and that feeling that if I'm not working crazy, crazy hours, that I'm not being productive. Because as we've talked lots of times in the past, Sarah, because we've always stayed connected and talked about business, there's nothing wrong with having lots of entrepreneurial ideas and business ideas, but it's, and you know, I think sometimes our husbands would, would disagree. I was just going to say that. I was like, our poor husband and Heidi's worse than me. I'm just going to put it out there. I may have given you the book idea, but this woman comes out and she's like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do it? And I'm like, uh, I want to, but I know I get my business coach and my husband will roll their eyes and they'll go, just write it down. We'll come back to that. <laughs> and so there's a difference is that I love the creative juices and I love all that going, but that's because it's, we, we've got such passion for what we do. Yeah. That's why um, for that, that's different. We know, and that's why with listeners as well, just remember that there's a difference between what is triggering that default behavior and posture mm. as opposed to your personality and your makeup and our quirkiness, because we've all got that really. And why don't we go through some of the other things? Because I think we talked about mm -hmm. ours, but I know you and I both see clinically a lot of these things. Yeah. Uh, for me, the big ones that I will see is a fear of lack of control. Um, so again, kind of fear coming up and people trying to control their situation. I'll see people trying to prove themselves to people. So again, like seeking that attention and approval. Um, and then I will see people who are just running away from something. And they only they know what that is, but just never truly content. They're always kind of running. And so what are some other things that you see? 
I see um, a lot of things as regards what it, what it, the, um, the trigger or the pattern or the, the root cause is often like abandonment issues. So what you'll see is how it affects people. They retreat from their friendships. If they feel that they may have just had uh, a comment or a behavior, or they've heard somebody say something about them, immediately they go back into that trigger of what abandonment that could be many many years ago and they retreat from those those friendships they question everything that they say um, they start looking through a different lens at their relationships and again they can start to it's like self-sabotage they can start to ruin those relationships from something many years ago I'm going to get one of those buttons and I'm going to make people hit it every time they have yeah. <laughs> they're just they saying do. things like that in my they office do. it you is and no idea <laughs> and um, I was just going to say, though, the other thing that I see, I don't know if you've seen this, I'm sure you see this, though, Sarah, is things such as, um, you know, stimulants and things like that. So it could be drugs, alcohol, food, person downers, coffee. Yeah, that's right. Um, and those sorts of things. And I know we were just talking before we came in. Um, I loved your expression when we were just talking about this. And you said um, anything that changes your state. Why are, why are you stuck? I mean, what's the emotion and the feeling behind that? Why do you feel you need so many coffees, for instance? And you were saying that before we started. And I thought it's such a good point because, again, it's becoming reflective. Remember mm -hmm. before in previous episodes, we've talked about when you start questioning and using your prefrontal cortex, you stop living in that um, that was it, uh, instant gratification uh, mm -hmm. mode or that primitive mode. When you actually pull back and go, why do I need so many coffees? Why? Mm -hmm. Is this something emotionally? It means I need that pick me up. Mm -hmm. Is it maybe a, a pattern of my behavior? Am I not getting enough sleep? Do I feel that I need to rely on stimulants to keep me going? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's kind of then starting to question instead of just drawing for the coffee or whatever it could be, just going, hang on, why do I need this? Why do I need this stimulant to keep me going today? What can I do with my really smart brain mm -hmm. to actually start to change my behavior and improve health? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So why don't we go into our takeaways? So for today's episode, my three big takeaways is that I really want to challenge everyone to actually write this down because as much as I resisted, it always makes such a huge difference. What were your past burnout or really stressful periods? What did that look like? Look into where that came from right? So is this a pattern that you've had in the long term? Is there a fundamental survival mechanism such as being like having enough money, having shelter, right? Being involved with the, the circle, being a part of the crowd. Um, is there something going on there that's been triggered? And then really just look back at when you're looking at those patterns, what's one, what's an early indication? You can go back to those 10 signs. For me, it's reducing exercise. So I get back pain when I'm not exercising and so, or moving, right? And so if I'm not moving enough because I'm at my computer all the time trying to work, mm -hmm. that's a really early sign for me that like, ooh, 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 this is not going to go in the right direction. You need to reprioritize your life. You need to break out your calendar. You need to schedule times to do things, um, and which is very, like, that's what has to happen. I have to go in, carve out time for myself, put it in, schedule it in the calendar and make sure it happens. 
And my three takeaway points are, first of all, to identify your habit or your default pattern and behavior. And ours are really crossing over a lot here, really, mm-hmm. Sarah. But um, so it's identifying those, first of all. Um, and then what is behind that habit? So that's my second one. Is it fear? Is it, like you said earlier, is it to prove yourself to someone? Are we a people pleaser? Is that what we want to do all the time? And then the big one also, the third one is, notice how that is actually making you feel. Um, use that as a trigger, really, intellectually and emotionally to make the changes because it's only when we really emotionally and intellectually acknowledge that that's when we start to make the changes other people can tell us to do these things but it's when we actually can feel what's happening so it's that somatic awareness what is going on with our mind and body thinking here we are again we're back at it again but you remember each time this happens we become less resilient we it, it just gets it gets more deeply ingrained in our brain in those synapses and so it actually just starts to wear us down even more so yeah become emotionally and intellectually use that part of our brain to change that trigger so that we can start to improve our mental and emotional health and physical so that's a wrap on today's episode we really just wanted to again re-emphasize the signs and symptoms that we see people fall into and how we get there because as our goal is always empowerment, if I can prevent someone from needing to come into my office for the second or third time because they picked up these one or two things, that's like that's my dream. And so we hope that by sharing our stories and sharing what we do, that it's going to help you guys. And so always feel free to, to reach out to us. Let us know. This episode totally resonated. This is what I'm doing because these are things that I would love to share as we create a community around health is popping in with other people's stories and saying, look, someone listened. They have this. Do you feel yourself in that? Because it's sometimes in those moments that we see ourselves in another person and we hear their paths or triggers, we get ideas of what we can do, especially when you're feeling stuck um, and feeling overwhelmed. Sometimes those little moments can be so huge. And remember the the whole um, point of us wanting to bring this podcast together. Remember when we first spoke and we said, we'd like it to be that everybody's sitting around having a coffee or a herbal tea, that is, with us. (laughs) Um, And so because of that, it's, you know, this is going out all around the world, obviously, but um, we've at the end of the day, we might have different cultures, we speak different languages, but we're all the same underneath. We still have those same feelings and emotions. And if you feel like you're on your own, you know you can reach out to us. Things are very confidential. We won't bring things up, you know, but we can be there to support. Or if you ever want us to discuss anything in future podcasts, we'll keep it very general, but we could, we'll be there to support you. Support is is key for sure. It's all about support, yeah. And support is really critical to recovering as well. And that's our next episode is talking about recovering from health events, Um, whether big or small, it can feel really difficult. And so we're going to be breaking that down. Fantastic. Until then, be well, and we will talk to you guys. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also, spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.